Welcome to Startup Jab. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this special mini-episode of Startup Jab. I, of course, am one of your two co-hosts, Jason Ellis. With me, as always, the, well, let's just call it what it is, the droid to my iPhone, Teague Hopkins. Teague, how are you today? I'm great. I'm glad that I get to be the droid in that circumstance. Absolutely. Come on. You're, you're functional. You're effective. I'm the beautiful one. We both know that. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Indeed. And uh, today we have a special treat for our podcast listeners. We have a special esports mini episode that we've recorded. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to talk about some really interesting topics today and hopefully uh, dive into some interesting and, you know, current events. What do you say, Teague? Should we jump into it? Let's do it. Excellent. So first we're going to talk about uh, Electronic Arts EA and they're setting up a competitive gaming division. So the world of esports is about to get uh, some much-needed goosing as Peter Moore uh, steps down as the chief operating officer of EA to assume the role of chief competition officer in charge of their esports efforts. Uh, Teague, what do you think about this? What is this uh, how does this change the playing field for those in the esports world? Well, I think that anytime the developers start getting involved in, uh, in, the, in the esports community, it's, it's a good thing for the community because they're going to put money behind it. They're going to recognize the, the impact that they can have by promoting their games and, and hosting tournaments, I think. You see that with uh, with what Riot Games has done with League of Legends. You see that a little bit with what um, Microsoft and 343 has, has started to do with uh, with Halo esports. Um, and and I think that this you know this this is great for uh, for the for the esports community. I think particularly folks who are interested in in playing and watching those those EA stalwarts like Madden and FIFA. Absolutely. I think one of the things I find that's interesting is that this provides a really interesting opportunity not only to sort of more formalize uh, the competitive efforts in in esports, but also to open up some really smart brand associations for uh, not only EA but for uh, you know gamers overall. I mean, when you have the ability to align with FIFA and Madden, that obviously extends to um, you know the NFL potentially you know. Publishers developing specific games just for esporting and just for the the specific kinds of platforms that they're aligned with. Um, I wonder, however, if it's going to end up becoming just a little bit too corporate. I think <laughs> that well, I think when you look at the beginnings of certain sporting leagues like uh, the NFL or even the NHL, they they didn't come from companies driving you know building the the interest in the game. It really came from people developing the game. In their off time, um, do you see that as being something of a of a challenge to these efforts? I think it is. I mean, I think when you look at it's one of the major differences between physical sports and esports is that in esports, the the sports themselves are owned by an entity and they're developed by an entity, and so you have this this sort of different structure where you know the closest analog in esports would be if you had an actual uh, open source esports game. Yeah. I think that in the absence of that, we're always going to be dependent on the developers to to support esports to some degree because you have to add features like the ability to spectate. Um, you have to add features that make it, you know, actually an experience for the viewers um, beyond sort of what we've seen to date, which is 
uh, a lot of you know, looking through the, the the player's eyes. And one of the things that's actually handy about um, about FIFA and Madden and and and, and the uh, the various EA franchise sports franchises is that um, the view that the player plays through is already one that spectators are used to seeing. Right, a lot of players are playing through that. Um, overhead third-person view that, that mimics sort of the view from the from the box seats. Um, and so that is actually, I think, easier for, for viewers to pick up than, than what you typically see in uh, first-person shooters, which is, you know, jumping around between the various first-person views of people on the team. And sometimes, if you're lucky, seeing, um, seeing the ghosts of other players through walls in, in spectator mode. Yeah, I think one of the challenges for me, just not only as a spectator but as a player, is is that uh, in most first-person shooters, your view is jumping so quickly, and you have to be able to absorb and respond to so much visual information so quickly um, that I, I can't keep up. I mean, my hand-eye coordination isn't the problem; it's my ability to digest information. I think that's absolutely something that that as esports develops, they'll have to be considerate of for their audiences. I think taking that sort of removed third-person view is certainly good. I think. Uh, some publishers have looked at the idea of sort of setting up spectating as a as a literal stadium. Um, I think that could be really interesting too. I know that um, uh, what's it called? Not Rocket Launch. Um, what's the popular game that's out right now? That's basically oh, Rocket League. Driving tanks. Rocket League. Thank you. Um, I remember reading rumblings that uh, one of the things in consideration was that Rocket League, you would literally, as a spectator, you could get a, a virtual seat and watch and be able to switch views as you wanted to as an independent viewer. Um, I think yeah, it would think... be really interesting, and I, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. I'm curious on, on where we look forward uh, towards the different kinds of spectating that the individual can control. Yeah, I think, I think it'll also be interesting to see the intersection of, of spectating in esports and uh, VR, right? I think particularly you're talking about the, the ability to have a virtual seat in the stadium and, uh, and be able to look around and, and, and see different things. I think that you know that lends itself better to some uh, to some games than others, right? I think it, if you're playing a multi, you know, a, a multi-level um, map in Halo, it's a little difficult to sort of sit on the sidelines and, and try to be looking inside of a base. But uh, but for other types of games, it, it might be very interesting to to be able to sort of virtually sit on the sidelines and and look both ways and, and up and down and and focus on the the piece of the map that you're interested in seeing at, on, at that moment. Yeah. Or be able to look for your virtual server to bring your virtual pretzel. I'm, I'm still waiting for mine. That's fine. That's fine. It's 3D she'll, printing. She'll get here eventually. That, right? I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A little mustard on the side. That's the important thing. Um, very cool. I, I think uh, to pivot to another topic, one of the things then that makes uh, makes this an interesting moment in the esports world is that uh, some of the efforts are being consolidated uh, in some agencies uh, while others are being sold and, and assets are being sort of uh, divided and, and shorn up. Uh, in this particular case, uh, Major League Gaming uh, selling, quote, substantially all, end quote, of their assets to Activision Blizzard. Um, you're probably a little bit more familiar with this than I am, but what do you think the implications are for esports in this kind of a, a essentially a buyout on Activision's part? Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting to see the, um, the the different strategies taken by EA and by uh, Blizzard Activision, right? So EA is building their their in-house esports sort of division, and Activision Blizzard is is buying Major League Gaming. Although they already have a number of of uh, 
of in-house groups working with their ind- individual games. I think it's you know there's there's an interview with uh, with some of the folks at Activision Blizzard talking about you know the the difference between the the teams that that like that run BlizzCon for instance and and that that run the the you know the ex- existing esports for Blizzard games and for Activ- Activision games like Call of Duty um, and the the new sort of overarching esports division that it sounds like is is thinking about um, thinking about it from a media perspective so it's almost like you have both the um, the league commissioner's office or several league commissioner's offices and the the network in the same organization um, and so there's that that kind of vertical integration and I think that there is definitely some concern from um, players that um, when you know developers hold so much control over the you know the entire vertical stack of of a particular esport um, there's there's some concern that they will continue to listen to the community and that they will you know continue to be good actors and not simply um, try to milk it for as much money as it's worth and, and sort of ruin the experience um, but so far I think we've seen that you know most of the companies doing this recognize that esports is a way for them to get more longevity out of their game and they're they're starting to look at it really as a as a long-term endeavor and I think that's definitely good for all involved yeah absolutely uh, do you think then this gives uh, Activision Blizzard an opportunity to reinvigorate some of the efforts around World of Warcraft and some of the MMOs that they're going to be pushing in the next couple of years? I don't know whether whether the MMOs will make an, a, an appearance on the on the esports scene. I know that you know in its in its heyday there were um, there were pro uh, World of Warcraft players. Um, I think that you know Blizzard is is better known for a couple of other games. <laughs> um, One or two. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that you know StarCraft is always going to be an esport, um, and and in some level, on some level, it's all, always going to be the esport that most of us can't play. Um, it's the kind of thing that you know w- we'll watch and be and be amazed at what people are able to pull off. But I, I, I certainly know that you know my my hand eye coordination is not up to playing StarCraft on any kind of competitive level. My uh, my actions per minute are, are nowhere near where they would need to be. Yeah, I don't think. Again, talking earlier about my own skill set, I think I have to be in agreement with you. Um, I'm constantly shocked and amazed by the young kids who are able to pull that off. It's uh, it's it's something you actually have to train for, almost in the same way that you have to train to competitively. I don't know, eat hot dogs. Um, <laughs> yes, he really did just compare esports to eating hot dogs. I'm sure we're going to get letters about that one. <laughs> You, you you couldn't go with you know comparing esports to physical sports. No. It's, well, it's... I, now this is an interesting topic of discussion because I I think that it isn't actually a one to one comparison. Um, it's not that there's a lack of skill in esports, but there is a lack of athleticism, which I think is actually an important distinction between the two. And it's not that again there are certainly tons of parallels, but no, actually I I I don't know why hot dog eating just felt more appropriate simply because in a lot of ways it's observing your surroundings but it's also repetitive action it's knowing when to you know grind out a bunch of guys early on in anticipation of a big wave of attacks coming your way if we're talking in the context of starcraft so i don't know it it is also like football so i guess there's that yeah i think i think actually a, a better analogy to um to starcraft might be something like speed chess oh sure i think that uh, uh, you know, there's a lot more. StarCraft certainly has a lot more in common with chess than with than with hot dog eating. Um, although there is there that... is a. Pl- Go ahead. There is plenty of there is plenty of learning 
in strategy in hot dog eating. For example, how many bites do I take? That's important. In case you can't tell, I'm being incredibly sarcastic. You're absolutely right. It's much more like chess. Uh, I thought you were just playing devil's advocate for 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 once. Right? Absolutely, no. I I, <laughs> I I neither advocate nor align with the devil. In this particular <laughs> instance, you are correct. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's you know, and 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 to the point about about whether esports is is uh, is physical. I think you could certainly say that a lot of the top teams recognize the importance of being in good physical shape, right? I mean, at the very least, the the impact on uh, on awareness and on you know the, the, on the mental state that comes from being in good physical shape and getting regular exercise, you know the, the top pro teams in a lot of esports have a workout plan. Yeah, makes sense. I and, and joking aside, the truth is that there is a uh, you know there is a an opportunity there to brand and build in uh, sort of a cross platform opportunity. Uh, I know, for example, that the um, well, gosh, I mean. When you talk about protein, you're also talking about uh, uh, products that focus on attention, products that focus on reaction time. Um, hopefully, those have been checked out by the FDA. Uh, nonetheless, mm, I right. think that there's there's certainly some ways to to utilize that to to generate revenue, um, which will help bolster the leagues overall. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to see the the various approaches that different teams take to to getting that extra edge, um, and I think. It, it certainly is interesting to see what what products crop up and uh... in fairness the uh, the the opportunity to uh, set something up for drug testing in esports uh, is as bad if not worse than uh, than the world of professional um, physical sports if only because I don't know about you but a lot of the gamers I know are big fans of marijuana and in lots <laughs> of states that's still not legal so at the very least it'll make for some very interesting moments when you know when we have to ask ourselves the honest question, is marijuana a performance-enhancing drug when it comes to Halo? I'm going to go with perhaps probably maybe. not. Perhaps not. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. Um, that doesn't One necessarily mean... get very focused. Uh, yeah, that, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they wouldn't want to test for it anyway, but um, pro- probably not for the, for the performance-enhancing characteristics. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree in that... <laughs> Uh, no, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think there's also some in in discussing sort of the development of the business of esports overall. Um, looking on to Facebook, actually, as an interesting place where this is going to be growing. Uh, Facebook just held a business focused esports summit, um, and yeah. they had an interesting array of speakers and topics and discussion points about it. And it looks as though there was some real interest in the industry around it. Yeah, I think this this is particularly interesting because it it it's sort of the the second order recognition of of esports as a growing industry. It's you know Facebook recognizing that serving esports teams and and developers and leagues is is actually lucrative enough business that they want to dedicate some resources to specifically targeting that industry. And um, so they are you know they're they're invite they invited a bunch of folks to the to their headquarters to, um, on uh, on December seventh. Um, mm-hmm. To talk about how you can use the Facebook newsfeed for businesses, uh, the value of using Facebook video, uh, how to create a better experience in games on any platform. Um, I think you know in trying to get some of those developers to integrate, you know, log in with Facebook and, and things like that, and, and Facebook features, um, and then also, of course, um, to talk about uh, the Oculus Rift, 
um, because Facebook now owns Oculus, I'm sure that they are thinking as well about some of the ways that you know that their virtual reality can get um, can get integrated with with some of these games that are um, that are that are you know in the esports genre. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's. I mean, I think it's interesting that Facebook would be the one to sort of align this, given that they've been trying to build out their gaming platform online. Admittedly, it's more in sort of the casual mobile space, but it's interesting to see that they want to take lead in building some of this momentum. Uh, do you think that that potentially signals that they're interested in, in getting more serious about this from an overall perspective, either on the console side of things or on the PC side of things? I I, I mean, I think it, it certainly indicates interest. I don't know what their role specifically will be. I, I don't see well i don't know so i don't see facebook as as you know jumping in and becoming a developer of esports um but i i could definitely see them trying to um trying to get into the the media side of things um maybe to compete on some level with twitch um maybe to uh to to simply just try to to pull some more of that traffic um and and you know be the the default for for esports communities, um, I think that you know they they certainly see the 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 benefit and the, and the you know the, the size of the audience, the esports audience is is huge and, and growing. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see where that shakes out. It's possible that you know they're, that they're thinking about um, about some Oculus titles being potential esports. Although I think you know I, I think we may be a, a little ways off from that. Although as we talked about a little earlier, I think. Um, it could be interesting to see uh, the VR impact of um, of spectator mode. Um, it, it, might, it might be interesting to see some some integration there. Although we'll we'll see. Absolutely. Well, and I'll say this: I mean, as Facebook looks to other sizable companies like Google and the like, I think that there's an interesting way for them to pursue lots of different avenues of growth and opportunity that are specific to their needs. Um, but allow them to to grow as an overall uh, technology company and then eventually conglomerate. Uh, I really shouldn't be calling it Google. I should be calling it Alphabet, and that I think is more representative <laughs> of what Facebook may be leaning towards in terms of the way that they're looking to grow in long term. Certainly could be. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, I, as this is a mini episode, I don't want to keep everybody's time too much. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting it's an interesting space to continue to look at and. Uh, I think that as the next couple of years of technology develop, as the next couple of years of culture shift happens, uh, I think we're seeing the beginning of, of a real esports renaissance, and particularly in its application to not only mainstream attention but mainstream business. Um, what do you think the next couple of years hold for this? Uh, what are the opportunities that they're going to be most uh, likely to pursue? Well, so I think that that a lot of the uh, a lot of the esports industry right now is is held up by by hobbyists and, and fans and enthusiasts who are doing it because they love it um and i think that over the next couple of years we're going to see a rise in uh professionalism in esports um and a lot of those folks who have been sort of doing it part-time or doing it as a volunteer um will either start to shift into into treating it more like a business and, and being um you know, treating it as, as a career, as an industry, or we'll start seeing a large influx of professionals from other spaces, from uh, physical sports, from uh, television networks, recognizing that this is sort of the, the, the next big thing in that in that regard, and and starting to uh, to 
take some of those lessons that they've learned in other industries and and start to carve out chunks of the of the esports industry. I think we've already seen that with uh, with the Immortals, which is the um, the venture capital backed team in, in in League of Legends. Um, and I think that over the next couple of years, we're just going to start seeing more of that as uh, as we start to see you know people who have been working with um, leagues and 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 doing you know doing highlights and doing news shows and doing, you know, selling media sponsorships and, and things like that, starting to take some of those lessons and, and simply apply them to this, to the new, uh, to the new content. Um, and I think that, you know, there will be a, yes, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a, a, a challenge for the, for the esports community to figure out how to deal with that. Um, as, as you know, as you said, there's, there's some concern about um, whether it's becoming too corporate. Um, and I think it'll be a challenge on both sides, both from the, you know, from the professionals from other industries to see whether they can integrate into the community and, and be and be welcomed in, and from the you know from the enthusiasts in the esports industry to figure out whether they will be able to um, to adopt that level of professionalism and and treat it as a uh, as a you know as a real career and as a as a as a real industry and as a business. Yes, indeed, I'm with you on that. Well, uh, I think this is certainly something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And as always, anytime you want to talk about it, Teague, I'm down. It's always. <laughs> It's always a topic of interesting discussion. Excellent. Yeah. I think uh, folks who are listening, if, if you find this topic particularly interesting, let us know, and we'll make sure to, uh, to cover more of it in our upcoming shows. Absolutely. Teague, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you online? You can find me at teaguehopkins.com or ask Teague Hopkins on Twitter. Indeed. And you can find me at Jason Ellis, or feel free to email me, jason at brllnt.co. Uh, I want to, of course, thank uh, Teague for his awesome focus on esports and totally turning me into a convert, uh, as well as producer Katie, who is always ensuring that the trains are running. You haven't heard her, but she is behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, making sure that we don't make complete fools of ourselves. Well, we do our best, but she makes sure that we still, you know, deliver what we're supposed to. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, Teague, um, I'll see you at the next episode, and in the meantime, uh, have a great week. You too. Looking forward to it. All right. Oh, 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 oh,